It's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Car Edge for Wednesday, February 7th, with your host, me, Ray, and, well, that clutch kind of guy, Mr. Zach. How are you today, handsome? Doing great. Happy hump day to everyone. Let's kick things off, Dad. Ford earnings came out just yesterday, and holy cow, man, I went with Ford Fiasco as the title for today's show. We're going to dig into it. Accounting charge is why they had a net loss. Revenues increased 4%. The big storyline here, Dad, in 2023 for the entire year, Ford, yes. Ford excuse me, earned $14.7 billion in profit from its internal combustion engine and commercial businesses. While its EV unit lost $4.7 billion, if you do the math, Dad, Ford in 2023 lost $46,000 for every single electric vehicle they sold at the same exact time. Jim Farley came out yesterday and talked about how affordable EV price points are most important. And we know Ford, the OEM, isn't making money selling EVs. They lose $46,000 pop. Dealers make less money on EVs if they make any money. Dealer floor plan costs on EVs continues to go up. What is going on, man? Like, truly, what is going on? The auto industry is trapped, as far as I can tell. Well, uh, yeah, to a certain degree. And and a lot of it has to do with uh, with EPA standards and, and CAFE standards for, for manufacturers. And, and EVs are supposed to help them get to the numbers that they need to be at CAFE-wise. And yet, um, you know, the, the ability to be able to actually produce these EVs at a price point that people are willing to pay for them and at a, at a manufacturing cost structure that allows the manufacturer to make money from having built them and the dealer to make some money from having sold them. Well, those aspects of it, don't seem to be working. Um, Ford's loss per vehicle sold for EVs was higher in 2023 than it was in 2022. So it would seem to me that they are trending in the wrong direction. Um, Yeah, that's, that's a wee bit of a fiasco. It's definitely a fiasco, man. They lost more per EV, like you mentioned. And Last time I checked, those EVs are the ones that are selling most slowly. I'm going to pull it up on the screen, Dad. We just updated. We'll have a video on the Car Edge main channel soon, and I dropped the link in the chat. The new cars with the highest and lowest inventory for 2024. Guess what, folks? It was updated just yesterday by Justin on our team. Dad, top three. You think a Ford Mustang Mach-E's in it? What do you think? Uh, Oh, of course the Mustang Mach-E's in it because, well, I'm pretty sure uh, none of none of the big shots at Ford even want to drive the damn Mustang <laughs> Mach-E. Um, so there you go. Your your top three slowest selling new cars in the United States of America right now. Number three slowest selling is the Ford Mustang Mach-E. 362 days supply. There are nearly 25, uh, 24,292 for sale nationwide. And again, Ford loses 46 grand a pop on their electric vehicles. Dealers can't sell them. The earnings look great if you remove the EV category. They make a ton of money selling F-150s. The moment you plug in their long-term strategy, which to your point that some of the commentary from executives at Ford were like, yeah, we lose money on all these, but for every one EV we sell, it's the equivalent of you know taking 12 ICE vehicles for our cafe stand. It's like, 
Are you trying to make money or are you trying to fit into regulation? And and they're really trapped. Yeah, they're trying to do both. Um, You know, and and the scary thing about it is um, originally they had said, I think that they were hoping to have an 8% profit margin on their electric vehicles by 2025. Um, Now they don't expect that to happen. Um, they're, they're hoping that, uh, that they can actually make money uh, on their EV sales by the second quarter of 2026, I believe it is, if I remember correctly. Um, yep. now a year and a half ago is when they said, oh yeah, we'll be making 8% margin on these in 2025. Ain't happening. My suspicion is that by the second quarter of 2026, that ain't happening either as far as um, that's when selling and manufacturing EVs is going to become profitable. Um, So their projections for how this is all going to work out have all been pie in the sky ever since they announced the lightning pickup truck. You know, with the 43 million pre-sold. Okay, so maybe it was 150,000 or 200,000 reservations instantly. And now they haven't filled all those orders. And the vehicles, the trucks that are sitting on dealers are just sitting there. Um, You know, the, the public seemed to have lost interest in that vehicle when the starting price point that was supposed to be 39.9 turns out to be like 54,000. You, you it's it's not going to be a profitable venture for them until they can figure out how to make them affordable and there is no way for them to make them affordable while still making a profit for having produced them. This yeah, is 100%. This, this is a conundrum um that I'm not sure how they get out of let's do let's do one of our favorite things let's do a live experiment because there are downstream impacts of ford not being able to sell evs i.e on their dealer partners we had some quarterly earnings from penske automotive group that we're going to talk about in just a second but let's stick on ford here i'm going to caredge.com and yes folks we got a brand new homepage. would love some feedback on this and yes we also have our february exclusive car edge deals that you can check out as well skip the dealership buy with me and my dad instead dad i'm going to click on car search up here let's go to the car search we're in Omaha, Nebraska, folks. That's 68007. We're going to do like what we did the other day. We're going to do the Mach-E. We'll do new ones only. And let's just take a quick peek. $48,000 MSRP. That's not even that, that expensive for the Mach-E. Let's click on it. They, this dealer's had it for 151 days. In this area, it's 510-day supply. So the downstream impact for dealers when they can't sell these is that they have cars sitting or in this case, 151 days or or the day's supply in that area is 510 days. And it doesn't really seem to be, there doesn't really seem to be a, a light at the end of the tunnel there. Other storyline tied to this are headlines like these, Dad. Penske Automotive, one of the largest, world's largest auto groups out there. Q4 net income slides 36% to 192 million on rising interest costs. Wow. Costs, excuse me. The dealer group said it faced a $21 million increase in interest costs driven by higher interest rates and inventory levels that together increased vehicle floor plan borrowing costs. The reason it's Ford fiasco, folks, and, and we could do, you know, tomorrow tune in. It'd probably be Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram fiasco. <laughs> These are examples 
of automakers who have built cars at price points. Because yeah, actually, you know what? That'll pull this up as well. Jim Farley literally said yesterday, Ford, uh, you know, the, the company said, quote, growth lagged volume due to industry-wide pricing pressure. You mean it? <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's really interesting. We're, like, we're in a very interesting moment in time. Everyone's trying to push EV, Ford, Stellantis, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. They're trying to push EV. The price points need to be lower to actually sell the EVs. That's hurting them because when they sell these cars, they're not making money. Mm-hmm. Or the reason they're not making money is because they have so much investment to try and figure out how to make them profitably. But in the short term, it's crushing their dealers because their dealers, Penske, an increase of $21 million. Why floor? Like, it's a lot of a lot of moving pieces, man. Well, you know, luckily for Penske, if I may, um, yeah. they probably don't have a whole lot of Ford dealerships. For um, sure. You for know, sure. But, you, um, but the point is, regardless, regardless, the point is there. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is, if they did, those numbers would probably be worse. Um, you know, but but truly, they are more into luxury brands. And let's face it, it's going to cost more to, to floor plan your luxury brands. But truth of the matter is, if your average Ford pickup tr- truck transaction price is north of $65,000, well, you know, that's just... It's, almost as, as expensive as most luxury vehicles. So, yeah, it costs a ton to floor plan this stuff. And, and you know, when when AutoNation and Lithia and Sonic, when they all uh, share their, their earnings reports, it's going to be ugly in the sense that every one of them, their floor plan interests have gone up, um, their their profits will be down, you know, for two reasons, increased floor plan interest rates and the need to be more aggressive in making car deals so that your front end gross profit per vehicle sold is less than what it had been. So you combine those two aspects of of a dealership and yeah, yeah. your profits are going to slide and slide significantly. No wonder we have uh, car dealers at NADA and, and even before the National Automobile Dealers Association writing, penning letters to the U.S. government saying, hey, stop trying to force EVs because you can see here, you can see what's happening. The dealers are the ones actually getting pinched. Us customers are also, I want to be very clear, getting oh, yeah. pinched here because the price points are insane for these electric vehicles. But like, I don't see how anyone wins, man. Like, I don't see how the OEM wins. I don't see how the dealer wins. I don't see how us as customer wins in this paradigm where you have to spend billions of dollars annually to try and build profitable EVs at price points that people don't want to pay for so that they can sit on dealer lots, which still people don't want to come and buy them for. Like, I just don't see this working, man. It's just, the, 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 it's not working. It's fundamentally not working. The transition to electric vehicles through government, uh, you know, um, uh, EPA standards and cafe standards, it's not working. <laughs> People it, it, aren't buying enough of them. It's not working as intended. Um, intended, yeah. So, you know, as I've often said, it's it's great to to set time frames for where you'd like to see things happen. And when those time frames are set seven, eight, ten years in into the future. Oftentimes they're off, they're wrong. Um, What what the government thought might happen 
probably won't happen. So that um, I, I think there needs to be a certain fluidity to the situation as to how many EVs compared to internal combustion engine vehicles need to be sold um, based on market conditions so that the government needs to probably be less heavy-handed about it. Um, but that's that's not normally the approach that governments take. Let me ask you a question. How many years do you think Ford can go losing about $50,000 per electric vehicle sold? How many years do you think they can do it? How many years do you think dealer groups like Mullinax down in Florida, who we've talked to before, who have dozens upon dozens of Machis, how many years, because they have a year plus worth of inventory right now, how many years can they sit on that? Like, How long can this go on in its current you know, uh, uh, paradigm? Well, you know, if if they're making um, fourteen billion dollars from their uh, ice division and from their commercial and pro division, um, you know where where profit margins on on commercial and pro were over twelve percent, um, they they can that stuff can can uh, underwrite the continued EV losses. I, I would think for quite some time. And the real issue is even if they wanted to stop the EV train, they can't, you know, at, you have to, they have to invest in some type of alternative fuel vehicles. And most of the manufacturers at this point have decided, well, that's electric. Okay. That's EVs. Now I know, uh, was it uh, Honda and General Motors just got together and invested a considerable sum of money mm -hmm. into hydrogen fuel cell engines, um, which which is a wonderful thing, except there, there's no place to get the hydrogen. Um, you know, hydrogen fuel cell cars are, are, well, not really even popular in California, but there's no place to, to go fill up. So. Yeah. There, there is the issue is that they that they need to find alternative fuels for for these vehicles, and and they don't know what they're going to be. And right now, it appears as if it's going to be EVs. And I have said, and uh, and nobody will probably remember this, but I have said it wouldn't surprise me if twenty thirty years from now that everybody's going, well, it wasn't EVs. It'll be something else. I don't know what the something else will be, um, but perhaps EVs weren't and will not be the solution that that the governments are hoping that it will be. Um, Again, just uh, the, the, the headline here, and then we'll move on. Ford posed $526 million net loss in Q4 on accounting charge of Accounting, don't worry too much about that, folks. Revenue yeah. was up 4%. The real storyline, the internal combustion engine in commercial business units generated almost $15 billion in profit, while the EV unit lost almost $5 billion, $4.7 billion. At the same exact time, we have headlines like this coming from Penske Automotive, talking about how their floor plan expense, again, Penske doesn't have a ton of Ford dealerships, but it is representative of what's yes. going on in the industry as we get more 
earnings results from car dealers will be able to share those as well. Penske said it faced a $21 million increase in interest costs driven by higher interest rates and inventory levels. That together increased vehicle floor plan borrowing costs, interest expense on floor playing in the quarter rose 76% to almost $40 million. And then Ford acknowledging the reason that they are not selling more vehicles is due to industry-wide pricing pressures. Hard to reduce price more when you're losing 46 grand a pop. Interesting dynamics at play in the industry. And, and if you ask, they're over at Ford. Because if you're Toyota, you're looking at this and you're like, you know what? We're in, we're in pole position. Sure. We're, we're strong. You know, we're in a good spot. Yeah. And may I say for Ford, the $4.7 billion lost on EVs was higher than what they had originally projected for the year. Originally, they had said it was going to be $3 billion. And then um, either, what was it, they, they um, well, they didn't lower the price of anything. Um, no, they've they, only they, increased prices yeah, on their EVs. And, and, and they realized that, okay, when, when they increased prices and sales were slowing down, they then projected that it would be a $4.5 billion loss on the EV side of things. It turned out to be 47 it will probably be in excess of $5 billion in 2024, simply because, A, they're still building them, and, B, there's not enough people buying them. So uh, it's, it, it's going to one, cost One second, more. Pops. One second. You guys never show numbers. Why? We always show numbers. Like That is like that is unfair criticism of me and my dad. We always show numbers. I just want to call that out. Um, sorry. Go for it, Dad. Yeah, no. Well, what numbers do you want us to show you? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, Ford. Those are Ford's numbers. Um, but yeah, you're right. We don't show them. Um, yeah, we're, we're just all good. Well, let's yes. Let, let's switch gears, pops. And again, before we do, I want to remind everyone today's show is brought to you by our company, damn it, CarEdge.com. <laughs> we just got the homepage updated. We have all of our February exclusive car deals, folks. There's some like. Fairly affordable vehicles available right now. You can get a Jeep Compass for under 400 bucks a month. You can get a Dodge Hornet under 500 bucks a month. Love talking about the Hornet on here. The tracks, we got it all the way down to $360 a month. Please, please, please. If you are considering buying a vehicle anytime soon, give us a try. Do it through Car Edge rather than going into your local dealer. We'll see if we can make it a better experience. Dad, can we jump to the chat here for just a moment sure. and then switch gears? Absolutely. The filthiest Phil, thanks for the contribution. Thank you. Says, no one wants EVs is the same energy as no one wants to work. People can't afford to pay these high prices or work for these low wages. What to do? All right. So what's the, the no one wants EVs is the same energy as no one wants to work. And, well, I think, I think what he, yeah. maybe, maybe what he's implying is that, that nobody wants EVs is too, too broad and too general of a statement at, at this point. The, I will not say that that no no one wants EVs. It's perhaps people want EVs to be um, uh, less expensive, um, and they want the infrastructure improved so that um, it becomes easier to charge your vehicle, and uh, the vehicles are not as um, what's the word I'm looking for susceptible to uh, weather conditions. Because we do know that uh, when it gets really, really cold, it it really robs EVs of the range. Sure. I understand that that ICE vehicles also lose 
gas mileage when it's really cold and when it gets really, really hot that that robs EVs of some of their range. So I I I agree. We shouldn't we shouldn't paint with such a broad brush. Um, but the the market. I will say this, the market doesn't appear to be quite as strong as what all these manufacturers were hoping it was going to be for EVs, at least at this point. Definitely. Definitely. Really well said. All right, let's keep moving here, Dad, from Metal Seer. Thank you for the contribution. We appreciate it. If Congress doesn't restrict uh, Chinese EVs with tariffs, Etc. Many will be driving fifteen to twenty thousand dollars BYDs, uh, the way Japanese cars invaded in the seventies. I don't know if "invaded" is the word I would use there. Um, I mean, there's a, a strategic point here that I actually mm-hmm. think take powertrain out for a moment. I think this is Metal Sears' point. Yeah. How did Toyota break into the United States? And it wasn't in the seventies; it was in the sixties. They came to the United States as the cheap, reliable. Uh, mode of transportation get you yes. from point a to point b it was cheap and it was reliable and what's toyota's name i mean they're the largest uh i was gonna say namesake i mean they're still affordable and reliable they've gotten more expensive the average yes. Toyota transaction price is almost forty five thousand dollars now which is hard to say out loud but that's how they that's how they grew market share and that's how they um uh, landed and expanded in the united states another company is going to come along and do that now i mean maybe it's byd maybe it's someone else like that's a totally rational strategy to execute why wouldn't you well they, they can certainly try um and, but i think more to the point it it i i think if you read between the lines what it's really saying is people want less expensive automobiles whether they be electric vehicles or they be internal combustion engine vehicles you know one of the articles i sent you this morning was about the uh, the manufacturers' meetings with their dealer bodies in uh, at NADA, and the one takeaway from Nissan, who's looking to regrow market share again, is they figure in order to grow market share, they have to concentrate on their less expensive vehicles in order to do that meaning the Kicks, the Sentra, the Versa. Um, so there's a manufacturer that, that recognizes one of the things preventing them and others from selling as many vehicles as they'd like is they're too damn expensive. And yeah. they want to concentrate on vehicles that are way, way less expensive. Which- Let me put you on the spot, Dad. Okay. What do you think the average transaction price was for a Nissan last quarter? And do you think it went up or down? Uh, I think it probably went down slightly. And I'm going to guess it's about $36,000, $37,000. What? All right, wait. How, how slightly? It did go down. How slightly? Because you're spot on on the price. How slightly do you think it went down year over year? What, what was the question again? How much, how slightly do you yeah. think uh, Nissan's average transaction price in the last it, it quarter? Probably went down, went it down. probably went down a couple hundred bucks. Give me a percent. Three quarters of a percent, 75 basis points. 
All right, there we go. I had to prove that my dad doesn't actually read everything that I quiz I, him I on didn't live even on this show. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. To your point, Dad, Nissan focusing on more affordable vehicles. Their average transaction price for Nissan and Infinity was down four percent, but just for Nissan, yes, was down. Uh, excuse me. For for uh, Nissan was uh, down five point one percent year over year to thirty four thousand five hundred. And sixty-four dollars, and if wow. you factor in Infinity into that, they were down four percent and down to thirty-six thousand five hundred ninety-seven dollars. This is an example of an automaker who's actually lowering prices. <laughs> I mean, all of them are increasing incentives right now. Nissan incentives also were increased significantly, yes. but they also are lowering prices of their vehicles. The average transaction price is going lower, not higher. So, to your point, Nissan coming out and saying, "Hey, we understand the market dynamics." It's like Ford comes out and says, hey, we haven't grown as much because there's price pressure. We need to lower prices. But then they don't have margin to work with. Nissan saying, hey, we want to be the affordable option. And evidently, there's enough margin for them to be an affordable, more affordable option. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know how big the margin is. Uh, but my suspicion is, 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 you know, that famous old saying, they'll make it up with volume. Um, so if they can... Right now, they were at 4.8% market share in the United States. They want to get that up to 6.1% in 2024. That's a significant increase. And they figure the way they can do it is by increasing the volume of sales of Sentra, Versa, and Kicks. Now, we all know that right now their number one selling vehicle is the Rogue. And the reason it's their number one selling vehicle is because their dealers all had way too many of them. You know, when we went to the Nissan dealerships, it was like Rogue City. You know, there it was like there was nothing else. It, it was as if the Rogues were in the back behind the service department procreating. Um, they were like rabbits back there. And, and so Nissan, I think, is making an intentional decision to perhaps cut back on rogue inventory and increase the production of Versa, Sentra, and Kicks so that yeah. they can become the entry-level vehicle for, for more people. And if they play their cards right, like they did in the 70s when I was with Nissan, um, they can then take that group of people those who buy the entry-level vehicles, and move them up yep. as their lifestyles change. That's how you do it. Um, so it, it, it all starts with lower-priced vehicles. It, this is There's no mystery to this. The, the mystery is how most manufacturers forgot. That's yeah. the mystery. <laughs> it's misaligned strategies. You know, they came up probably with their 10-year plans of how they wanted to do things, and it's misaligned with consumer expectations. Yes. All of us are looking, not all. I mean, there's huge growth amongst affluent people buying really expensive cars. But like yes. most of us, most of us out there, commoners, I'll call myself a commoner, right? Uh-huh. If I were to buy a car right now, like I'd be hard pressed, man. I'd be hard pressed to buy a new car just because the price points. Are so high. I would. I will say actually that like the the deals and seeing what we could get payments to is reassuring. Like there yes. are options out there under five hundred dollars a month. Obviously, you still need to look at your out the door price. I want to be very clear. You still need to do that. But 
yeah, I don't know. It's tough, man. It's it's really, really, really tough because the affordable options aren't there. Nissan demonstrating they're one of the few brands that maybe aren't sticking to their 10-year script of just jacking up prices. And you know what? They're going to gain market share because of it. Yes. And and I I believe uh, that could be, be a winning strategy for them again. You know, well, are they ever... Are they ever going to sell in the same volumes as Toyota and Honda? Probably not. You know, I mean, I was, you know, I started with Nissan when it was Datsun uh, back in 1977. And the hope was always, even back then, you know, to be able to compete at the same level as Honda and Toyota. And back then they couldn't do it. And, you know. Almost 50 years later, they still can't do it. But they could be the affordable alternative for people. And that's that's what so many people in this country need right now is, is an affordable alternative. Um, so, you know, I know Mitsubishi was trying to fill that niche to a certain degree uh, with the Mirage. Um, and, and perhaps, you know, Nissan can get back to their roots and really do it this time. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Again, February car deals from car edge are back on the website. We're going to do our favorite segment in just a second. Before we do, I got to pull this up from millennial minimalist. Now they're pushing monthly payments. Yes. If you go to our website, you will see monthly payment information. We did a test last month. Turns out people really like seeing monthly payments. Will we still also force you to review an out the door worksheet? If you buy a car on Carage, yes, we will. And we actually designed our own rather than using the dealer's crapola. So when you get an out-the-door worksheet from Carage, it's actually a web page that you'll be able to look at. It'll have all your vehicle information and you can play around here with what type of financing you would like to do, expected interest rate, as well as all those protection plans. You can see what they're individually priced rather than bundled into some sort of monthly payment or if you want to pay in full. So Yeah, are we talking about monthly payments all of a sudden, Ging? Yeah, we 100% are because evidently it really resonates with most people when they think about buying a car. And we're going to force you to look at an out-the-door worksheet that we've created so you understand what you're really getting into. Next thing you know, we'll iterate on that and put the Ray Ray Shevska 10% rule on it. (laughs) We'll ask you if you can actually afford the damn thing. We're here to help. We're just trying to make things easier. You know, the reality of the situation is and always will be that 85% of the buying public is monthly payment conscious. That's what they base their buying decisions on. Doesn't mean that just because we're showing what the monthly payment is, that we haven't negotiated the good deal for the customers, um, a transparent deal. And yes, as you said, they must review uh, their out-the-door numbers so they can see what it is, what it all equates to. Yeah, but, exactly. But the reality is people aren't as motivated by the price as they are about the monthly payment. So you got to give the people what they want. Four years into this. I just learned that a couple <laughs> weeks ago. All right, Dad, from Metals here, and then we're doing our favorite segment of the show. Thank you, Metals here again. Very kind yes. of you to contribute. GM workers ready to strike again, demanding wage inflation adjusted from wages their parents made. U.S. only make expensive pickups and large SUVs. I don't know how they're going to go on strike again. They just struck that deal. Yes. Um, but I do think there's some validity to the idea of, you know, only expensive vehicles being produced here in, in the United States. You got to find ways to make these things more cost efficient for uh, for buyers. And I don't, I don't see how you do that when 
both Ford and GM came out and said, hey, you know, these uh, these new deals are going to cost us billions. And at the same time, Henry Ford's original. Well, we, we were at the Ford Rouge plant, yeah. man. What was Henry Ford's original vision? Making a vehicle that was reliable, that everyone that worked at Ford could afford to buy. Yes. Pretty sure most people at Ford right now can't afford to buy a new um, F-150. It's too expensive. So most, most of the online production workers could not afford to buy a, a Ford at even at uh, employee pricing. Yeah, yeah. It's All right, Dad, let's, uh, let's do our favorite segment of the show. Really? You got to be kidding me. We're going to jump right into it. This is an example of an OTD worksheet, folks, that literally made me laugh out loud. Market value, this is a used car, $26,935. Discount of $6,493. So we've got a tremendous discount. Here. Oh my I mean, goodness a huge gracious, discount, right? Yes. Yeah, like over, over 25% discount. Yes. The selling price of $20,442 and then a $4,000, Brandon Honda protection package. Yeah. This is, this is my comment that not even getting to the fact that this is obviously in Florida with a $1,200 yes. dock fee, then a $559 filing fee, and then a $189 PTA fee. My commentary here, Dad, was yes, yes. If the protection package they're trying to sell you is twenty percent of the selling price, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a sign to run away from that <laughs> car and that car dealer because it must not be reliable, man. Isn't that what you would think? They put uh, that in I, front of you. I, I was just thinking for for that money, that's got to be one giant ass condom. Uh, <laughs> I mean that 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 is. That is a condom that that covers you, the car, and everything around you. Um, you know, first of all, if you're discounting the selling price almost seven thousand dollars, well, that market based selling price was probably bogus to begin <laughs> with. Uh, yeah, uh, this this is the second time that we have come across some some uh, worksheets from Brandon uh, Auto Group. And their and their protection packages and the Brandon Advantage and and the Brandon Advantage basically means that the owner has one of the biggest yachts at the marina. That's about all it would mean, in, at least in my opinion. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is wild, man. Right? Yeah. It it it's some. It, you know, I I I say it in today's video that's out. Yeah. People that work at car dealerships are some of the most creative people on the planet with the crap that they can come up with. And this is just another example of it. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, but if, if I were ever thinking of being a, uh, a customer at Brandon and knowing that they have their protection package and their Brandon advantage, I think I would walk in there uh, wearing a giant ass condom over myself to protect myself as I as I open the door and finish it with. I'm not, I'm not finishing. <laughs> You're supposed to say, in my opinion. In my opinion, yes. <laughs> All right, folks, that's another show. I will pull up here. Igor encouraging me to buy a special model Porsche, and you can drive it for a year or two and get all your money back and more on some models, and then saying he just sold his wife's Porsche 911 Turbo S. 
uh, that he got last year and made $25,000. See, Igor, I like the way you think. The only, yeah. only flaw I see in this plan is I would have to have the money to buy the Porsche 911 Turbo S. So I'll get back to you when I can make that yeah. smart of an investment. Until then, I'm actually thinking, you know what, man? Like the Chevy tracks at 360 bucks a month. I don't even need a car. But like the, 360 bucks a month ain't that bad, man. The the other flaw in, in Igor's plan for you is I don't know, the fact that you live in downtown DC. <laughs> and and you know, from what I the saw when would I get into it. Yes, from what I saw uh driving down your alley, um coming home from your sisters on on Saturday night, is the rats would just look at that Porsche and go, oh my God, a new luxury condominium. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow. Dad, that was a good one. Again, caredge.com. That's our company. If you want to support us, go check out the website and let us help you out. Dad, enjoy the afternoon and uh, let's do it all again tomorrow. Uh, You know, my promise is I'll be back here at noon tomorrow, uh, noon Eastern, nine Pacific, for more, well, news that you can use.